it's another year and another phase of my life. No longer childhood, I've entered into the mid-phases where you're still in shape, but maybe you're starting to notice a few grays. And a gray jay can still party, can still get out there on the dance floor, mingle and exchange digits. I was at a party full of many genres of music. There was punk, there was reggae, and then I met her yet again. Hip-hop. We had already known each other from past lives, but now we were getting reacquainted with, with one another. When we meet again, introduced as friends. Hip-hop is a great wing woman, introducing me to all sorts of characters. We have a history, a multi-track background, but one that lends itself to the positive. And in a second return, I get an introduction. I get a recommendation until the recommender recommends herself. This is Hip Hop Agata. I'm your host, Joshua Walters. We are bringing you this series out annually. Some folks deliver content every single day. I bring something out every year. And we are getting back to where it all began, as friends. This show highlights the Jewish and black experience around Passover, the Passover time, with the language of hip-hop. And this year we take it back to our alma madre as we get acquainted in Inside the World of Rabia Morningstar. Dear friend, many inside names and jokes will be dropped, but we will try our best not to over-explain them. My family owned a handle-making factory in Philadelphia. And half the family had took the handle factory and they left the rest of us to deal with it. And so some of my cousins have come back around to try and talk to my, my one cousin, Merrill, who we're still in touch with. And they got into a tiff. And this, this just sticks out in my head because it's just so indicative of all the, the women that I can think of in my family. And she says to her cousin, if you see me in the street and I'm laying there and I'm dying, please don't help me. <laughs> just don't help me. Because <laughs> I dislike you so much that I'd rather die suffering than have you be the one to help me. And the, that's, that's the type of dark humor that, that circulates in my in my people a lot of that yeah it's like i don't want i don't want your help even if i'm dying yeah that's a good one that's a good that's a good image to have because i can see your cousin right there and you know i can see what they're doing and it's like this is life or death and it's they're they're just like oh yeah 
and then they see they see this one person they're like nope not you anyone but you but let me just die here you know there's lot there's lots of there's lots of that kind of old you know my mom's getting it now more I think she can hear me but you know the I'm gonna die one day so do this for you know that kind of stuff leveraging that that level of of good guilt like to dig into the guilt stuff (laughs) 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 I remember we were in Central Park some years ago now and we were taking pictures there was a small group of us together and you know my mom had just gotten an ipad and she's wanting to snap all the you know because you know that's how older people do they don't have a, a phone that they take they take it with the ipad so she's got her ipad out she's taking photos and me and my sister are like all right enough already with the photos and she's like just take one more photo with me one day i'm gonna die and you're gonna remember this moment you're gonna want this photo that's that's a lot of that's a lot of what i hear yeah but was there like a real humorist in my family no not it was more like the type of things that you'd find funny because they were just so outlandish yeah like, like we'd come in and see my bubby because my bubby lived here in philadelphia so we'd come to her house and she was 80 years old and she had emphysema and she had this little stool that she'd sit on in the kitchen that had a flip like the chair bottom flipped up and became a ladder and it was very rickety it was not something you'd want to climb on but she used to like to go to the store and get diet caffeine free pepsi or coke She'd keep it on the top cabinet. So just chemicals. She was drinking just chemical. <laughs> and and we'd come in and she'd, you know, she was whatever, five feet tall, 80 years old. She's got oxygen hanging off of the, the side of the, the, the ladder. And she's got one leg out in the sky, one leg on the ladder, and her hands reaching out for this Pepsi. And we walk in, my mom's like, what are you, what are you doing? You're going to, you're, you can't be doing this. You're going to, what if you fell or something? She's like, you wouldn't care if I died anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But that, you know, that's really, she was, I always found her to be funny. I I liked her, her sense of humor. Uh, It was always self-deprecating. Self-deprecation, it's it's one of those things that comes comes along with the culture in some ways, you know? I think so. Why do you think that is? Do you think, think it's how people deal with suffering? Yeah, I think, I think you know, there's so much, you know, you, when other people are putting you down, you kind of like in turn put yourself down and kind of like get on the bandwagon of like, oh, yeah. Uh, aren't I horrible and aren't, aren't I a menace to society and stuff? And, and I think, yeah, you know, you just kind of, that, that's kind of, you, you, you do it out of jest, out of spite, but it's not, it's not really serious. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, it is bad. It is bad to be me, you know, you know. Is it so. to take this, the wind out of someone else's sails before they blow it into, you know, is it, is it that? 
I don't that they don't, don't get a, the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it could be that. It could be that. Because that is interesting. Because in in like in hip hop culture, a lot of times if someone's like in a rap battle or something like that, they'll throw out all the things that like the negative ends of things that they could say about you first, so that they've got nothing left to work with. There's no insult left that you haven't already put on yourself. Yeah. I always found that to be very Jewishy. <laughs> like you insult yourself. Like you insult yeah. yourself before you insult yeah. them. Right. You take you take you take everything they're gonna say and you just you take you sit, take it about yourself and then they can't really say it anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. Rap battles, you know, it's it's definitely a part of our larger culture that, that is hip hop or not, you know, the way we argue and the way we battle each other and discourse and the rhetoric of politics and everything else. It's like the rap battle is kind of it's in, in its in its essential form is kind of like this thing that is just uh, the poetry of, of argumentation, you know? I just had like that just created so much imagery for me of like being on the house floor and this is now they've, they've decreed that now the only way to state your argument is by rap battle. And they have Lin-Manuel come in and educate everybody on how to, how to have a proper rap battle around American politics. <laughs> this, is my, this, is, this is the new show. I like it. This is how it should be done. I like that. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's that's how it should be done. That's that's definitely how it should be done. And um, I think wouldn't you like to see Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, get his rap battle on? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that'd be good. That'd be pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would it be DJ or would it be beatbox? Yeah, it would be straight beatbox. It would be the house speaker has to has to has to set the beat. So Nancy Pelosi is like she's got to set the Pelosi. beat up. Nancy Pelosi, no, now now it's Chuck Schumer. Now it's Chuck Schumer. So he's got to like he's got to do that beat, you know. The, the house, yeah. the house. He he picks the beats. He picks the beats. He, 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 and he's from Brooklyn, so you know he's gonna he's gonna come he's with gonna, the cold the cold beats. He's he's gonna come with that cold beatbox, that Chuck Schumer beatbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. We'll call him MC Borscht with the yes. cold beats. MC 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 Borscht with the cold beats. I like that. Oh man, that's so good. That's cold. That's cold. A little cream little cream on top. You know, just yes, cream. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. There's this place. There's a place in a. There's this place out in the city in in the Richmond district that um, it's called Anastasia's Cafe, and they do all Russian food, and they do this really good borscht that like nobody else can do, and uh, you know, there's a few Russian spots, but they all kind of close down and. This little cafe I used to go to and it was like just just in a you know, just like a little if you just want a soup and like a piece of really dark rye bread, you know. Mm, yeah. It was good. It was good borscht. Love borscht. I, yeah. I had a funny moment 
in the middle of the pandemic when I was slowly slipping into a mental oblivion and I just wanted some soup and yeah. like instinctually I've never really done this before but instinctually I started making borscht yeah and I was like huh this is like this is a deep cultural thing like this is about to be something that's very comfort comforting for me for a very specific reason yeah It's now sitting in my freezer. I call it oh. sad borscht. I refuse, I refuse to eat any of it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got it from my uncle who was, wasn't doing that well. And then like it sat in my car or something or he forgot it in my car. And then like a week later, I like found it. <laughs> no. And I was like, oh, the rotten borscht. You know, I had to throw it out and stuff. Like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I got it for him. I was like, I was like, you need soup, you know, you know, and you need this. And I and then he forgot it in my car, and then I forgot it, and it was like in the back seat for over a week, and then I just it was you know, it was gone, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in order, to, I I feel like people have to actually meet my family to really see what how deep it really is, because you know my I've saw my uncle and my aunt for the first time in a very, very long time. They're slightly estranged. Um, and my uncle went to Boston Conservatory and like studied 17th century harpsichord music. So that's what he, like, that's his thing. That's what he does. He's very nerdy. His name is Isaac Finkelstein. So just picture whatever that is in your mind and you're probably right. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to like get advice from me about how how to date this woman who like won't see him because of the pandemic. And he get it's just his mannerism, like the way that he gets like very serious. He's like, you know, have you ever watched Larry David? Yeah. And seen Larry Larry get like serious when he's like a little bit agitated but it's still kind of funny when it comes out even though he's not necessarily meaning to be funny it's a lot like that so I'm seeing this guy he's from Staten Island I'm from Manhattan and he grew up and all the music that he listened to growing up was hip-hop and I grew up and I was really into like punk rock and grunge and Nirvana was my band and so like our our identities are completely different so you know in the he would be able to take my black card any day of the week. I'm pretty sure about that. Cause I just because don't of, know. Because of his, because of his, because of his hip hop language, he knows the language. Yeah. And I think that like, especially in the late eighties and early nineties in New York, it was very cool. Don't you remember Jonah Copey? Yeah. Yeah. I do remember Jonah Copey. He was way blacker than I was. I didn't know like he was into things. I didn't even, but there were lots of like guy, like guys like that. I knew growing up that were Jewish, that were like very hip hop. And I didn't know what that was about. Jonah inspired my Afro. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I came in as a freshman and he had already graduated and he came back like the first day of school, he came back into soda for some reason. And, bro <laughs> and i was just like wow a white guy can rock hair like that i never really saw that before and i was like wow yeah that, i'm gonna i'm gonna try that 
Yeah, him and all like the cool guys used to gather at the end of the hallway there and have like a jam during lunchtime. It was good. It's good times at Soda. The end of the end of the hallway. The end of the hallway. Yeah, the the double doors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was always yeah, so shocking to me that we like somehow by you know some fate ended up in the same airport getting on the same plane with the same group of people to go to Israel and we had been at the same high school and barely even knew it I always forget that you went to soda and I have to remember that because I think of you as my Israel homie that we shared that two weeks with and then we stayed close but I always but I, I always got to remember that you went to Soda too, and that you were there. You, you experienced. And I know it. Brady Gill, and I know all those people. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just, uh, you just did, you just did your, you just did your Jewish rounds. You, you, you dropped Jonah, you dropped Jonah, you, you dropped the Brady Gill line, and you're being interviewed by Josh. So it's like hey. you did your rounds. <laughs> Look, you know, the, the, tri the tribe runs close. We run deep, we run close. There's no getting away from it. Many thanks to Rabia Morningstar for joining us from Philadelphia. Her mom was in the background doing dishes. Thanks to her mom and all her cousins that she mentioned. Thanks to all my cousins, too. All my Philadelphia cousins out there. Rose and Kitty, Katie, Raj, Big Ray Ray. All the cousins. All the cousins. And, um, you know, just to clarify, you know... You can be on the East Coast, like Rabia, but still spend some time in high school in San Francisco, which is where I met her. And all the people that, uh, you know, we went to high school with, basically, at this point in our lives, those people are like cousins, too, you know? And in the spirit that every human on the planet is just a six-degree cousin with somebody else, any other person, we're all kind of like cousins. So, shout out to the cousins. I've been Joshua Walters. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.